go. Hi, Husky fans. Welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast. I'm Trevor. I'm Jake. We're like Han Solo and Chewbacca. I, that's the easiest one you've done so far. Yeah, but who does a better Chewbacca? You go first. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you definitely. Well, yeah, congratulations. You're Chewbacca. <laughs> yeah. Nobody actually knows what he says. Maybe he's a smart guy. <laughs> yeah. We're here to talk about uh, the win down in Southern California at the Rose Bowl against UCLA. We also have a special guest on the show, Justin, talking about uh, previewing the Oregon game. Uh, so, Jake, let's get into it. Yeah. All right. So, the first half, I'd say uh, Washington dominated the first half. Uh, everything was clicking. Defense was playing well. Offense was moving the ball and scoring. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought her defense looked great. They UCLA had one drive that culminated culminated in a touchdown. Uh, Murphy, I think it was Murphy, got burned and tried to tried to get back. I think he thought uh, DTR apparently, which is what we're calling him these days. Started coming out of the pocket, and I thought Murphy thinks he was going to run. Turns out the kid's got a little bit of a cannon. Um, yeah, you can see the arm talent. Yeah, you definitely can, man. The kid's, the kid's got some talent. He's just young, and it's only his fourth game starting in college football, or fifth game starting in college football, and it looked like it started to click for him a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. He He looked – he looked like I thought he would in the first half. Um, but the second half, he looked like a totally different player, didn't he? Man, he was making plays. He, uh, again, he'd get outside the pocket. I don't feel like our secondary was disciplined and there was a lot of breakdown. And they would start to creep up, take their eyes off of the receiver, and that's when he would torch us. Yeah, he they I think that they were running in the second half more of a uh a vanilla defense uh and it really ended up coming back and biting them. Uh but the it's the same problems that we've had in the past is the the run defense is not as stout as it was in years past. Yeah, and you really kind of saw it a couple of uh big gash run plays even in the first half you saw a couple of them you really saw them create some lanes against our offense or against our defense. They really got the ball rolling, especially in the second half. They got, they got the ball down the field. It seemed like seamlessly. Yeah. It didn't seem like there was a ton of resistance. Uh, during Thomas Robinson did have, uh, he ended up having a really, a really good game. 27 to 38, 700, uh, 272 yards, two touchdowns. And then the tipped, uh, by Taylor Rapp. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know how it looked to you, but did it look like our defense started getting a little fatigued in the second half? A lot of hands, a lot of hips, a lot of bending over. Yeah, the time of possession definitely shifted from the first quarter where, or for the first half where we controlled the ball for 22-ish minutes to where uh, it was a lot more even. It, it kind of evened itself out in that second half. Um, part of that is Washington really kind of went into a, a really vanilla offense, and they weren't able to produce first downs, putting Washington's defense back out onto the field, which is a real bummer because going, going into halftime 24-7, you're starting to think you come out, put another touchdown on the board. And yeah, man, put this game away. Starters. Yeah, yep. put, put them away. Rest of starters, we got a game in Eugene the next week. Uh, I think some of this, honestly, Chris Peterson will never admit it, but I think they looked past UCLA. It's a, it's a classic trap game. You haven't yep. won in UCLA since, what, 95? Yep. You go down there, UCLA isn't what they used to be, and you're looking ahead maybe a little bit to Oregon. and Maybe not the coaches, but the players – you know, thinking we'll, we'll just go out there. We're better than them. Well, guess what? They're a college football team, too. They were better. They were more highly recruited athletes out of high school than you were. Some of, you know, most of them. So they have some talent, man. And I can see how a trap game like this happens. 
Yeah, I was sure wrong when I said this was the game that Washington was most likely to pitch a shutout. You sure were. I think this might have been their highest scoring, uh, the most points they've given up all season. Yeah, I think think that gives you a double L for the week on this game. Yeah, we'll get to that. You have have eclipsed me in the overall spread picks. Ooh! Um, So, uh, some other stuff that I noticed in the first half – or, or just in general, uh, Fuller is the number one. Uh, oh, Jake boy. Looks to him. He looks to him when he's under pressure, when there's not a lot of time. He seems to lock in on Aaron Fuller. Uh, Ty Jones is absolutely the number two. And then after that, uh, you know, it's it's just kind of a bunch of dudes. Yo, again, man, Aaron Fuller with those cro- deep, middle deep crossing routes. He loves those routes. Browning looks for him every single time, and he will wait for Fuller to break through that route and to get open. Ty Jones, um, he's kind of that secondary playmaker. When when Fuller's not there, Ty Jones, you can throw the ball up to him. And if neither one of those two are open, then he's looking for anybody else, whoever yeah. whoever's in his eyesight. I thought he was going through his progressions a lot better in the first half, and that's when you saw some of the plays made by the other guys. But really, only four receivers logged catches last uh, in that game. Aaron Fuller had five, Ty Jones three, Bacelli two, Quinton Pounds two, and then the other ones were to running backs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I, I'm a little surprised that you didn't see a couple of tight ends in there. With yeah, the Kate Otten, yeah, they just – I mean, I think maybe that was a game plan strategy where they just wanted to use the tight ends just to run the ball. And they did. We had a lot of carries in this game. Miles um, Gaskin, 27. Jake Browning ran the ball 13 times for 49 yards. Sean McGrew yeah. had three. Savon had six. Chico had two. Corey Pleasant had one. I mean, that's a lot of touches on the ground, and it didn't – pan out like it did last year when Miles Gaskin would get six yards a carry. He he ended up with 4.3 yards a carry, uh, 116 yards on those 27 attempts. He's really become the bell cow in these last few uh, weeks. In his career, he usually hovered around 15, and he's now up into the high 20s two weeks in a row. Yeah, which, I mean, I, honestly, I like to see. I, I want to yeah. see Miles Gaskins get the ball because that means that good things are happening for this team. The more Miles Gaskins is running the ball, the the better we're doing. We're we're winning the game. You know, we're winning. Give Miles the ball, let him finish this game out, run the clock, put them to bed. Yeah, he's a grinder and I wish that all of our running backs, I hope all of our running backs are learning how to be patient uh, with their blocks being set up the way Miles does it. Um, he's not a jitterbug behind the line, but he's patient. And when he hits it, he hits it hard. And he's getting those big chunk plays. Yeah, man. Dude is has been phenomenal. I mean, I, I think more so this year than the previous three. And it's, I don't think it's because his talent level has risen. I just think it's because his want has risen. Man, it's hard to say because since he stepped onto campus, he's been uh, the best running back in the program. Uh, I remember the that USC game on Thursday night, that or was it Thursday or Friday, that Washington had no business winning, and Miles Gaskin destroyed that SC front seven. Yeah, but – if you take a look at this year, doesn't it just seem like he's taken more beating, more poundings? He's gotten hit so hard, and he just gets up kind of like with a no, 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 that wasn't all that bad attitude and just gets right back in and just does it again and gashes him the next play. Yeah, I, I mean, he's he's carrying the ball more, I, and, and I think that he's – He's having to grind a lot more this year. Um, the holes 
I'm not sure if the holes aren't as big. You know, he doesn't necessarily have the uh, the yards that he's accrued over the years, but you could, I would definitely make the argument that he's most important this year out of any other year in his career. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, I man, in my opinion, he cemented himself as the best running back in program history. I would, I wouldn't, or I mean, I can't argue that point. You know, I don't know if I would. You said the most important. I don't know. Or the best. The best. I mean, that's two different conversations. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't think there's a ton of argument to say that he's the most important running back. But, I, you know, I guess I mean, there, there's always a – it's always subjective when it goes to the best, right? I think there's more of an argument to him being the most important than there is to him being the best. Where the program was when him and Jake came in as a freshman, kind of not, you know, seven win, eight win – carrying us to a college football playoff and bringing the consistency to the program where it should and needs to be. I don't know if you can argue that his talent level is as high as like a Corey Dillon or Napoleon Kaufman, Um, maybe even a Bishop Sankey. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And I think that, I mean, that's the third, that's the third tentacle of this is talent. I don't think he's the most talented. He could be the best because best and talented are, are not the same. Um, but did I, we just know, enter the did, did we just enter the twilight zone? We kind of did. We just like I feel like instead we like followed the rabbit down Alice in Wonderland. Like, <laughs> so, we just we just got lost, man. And like we agree with each other. Like Miles Gaskin's really freaking important to this team. <laughs> yeah, like like we're arguing about nothing. Yeah, so let's just – yeah, Miles Gaskin, he's really good at football, right? Yeah, he's the reason that we won that game. Yeah. Him, Miles, Bri- Miles Bright, and Miles Gaskin. The Miles. Those are your, those are your boys. The, I, I think those are the reason that we won the game. Our defense couldn't tackle. Yeah, the defense the – defense, uh, the defense in that second half did not make me feel good. No. After taking a step back after that game, thinking about Oregon, my first first blush thought was we're in trouble. But you have to look at Washington and how what they're doing to different teams. They they've they've been pretty inconsistent. Um, they had a big lead on UCLA and they tried to sit on them, and frankly, it didn't work. I think if they keep the pedal down, they take they 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 beat Waz. Uh, UCLA by 40 points however they didn't and they weren't able to sit on them like they did Utah um, and Arizona State State, you got it Um, so I I, you can take some of this and you can be nervous about Oregon but really I think that what happened in that second half isn't going to carry over as we go down to Eugene next weekend moving I mean I don't want to move forward to Oregon before we're ready to do that. But looking at Oregon, I just don't think they're as well-rounded as a whole entire team as we are. They might have a quarterback prospect that's higher rated than ours, but as a a complete defense and complete offense, I don't see them being where we're at with our program. So I, I don't think the worry should be there for fans leading up to this game is, is basically my point. Yeah. I think that's really well said. Um, All right. Welcome back Husky fans Uh, here to help us preview the Oregon Washington game uh, is my friend, Justin. Uh, He is a former podcaster um, and Oregon insider. Justin, why don't you introduce yourself, bud? Uh, like he, like he just said, my name's Justin. Um, I grew up in a small town here in Oregon called Drain, which is about forty-five minutes south of Eugene. I currently live in Cottage Grove, which is twenty minutes south. Um, and I have been a, a diehard Duck fan since the day I um, I remember watching football, and, and you know it's kind of a family thing with my grandpa and uncle, you know, and all and my my dad. Um, it was just 
you know, what we did. We, we watched Oregon football. Um, I played high school football. I had a, a small chance at um, some college, uh, college opportunities. I took a, a, a big risk to try to walk on at Boise State. Um, but Chris Strasser, who was a former um, Husky offensive line coach. We know uh, him. Not a great recruiter. <laughs> yeah, he, he, you know, he sold me a whole bag of chips that had nothing in it. And uh, I kind of fell for it. And he kind of pulled the rug out from underneath me. And that kind of ended my, my dreams of playing uh, football after that. Um, so I got into coaching for about eight years um, at the high school that I uh, grew up in. Awesome. Uh, Justin and I met. I actually was roommates with his girlfriend um, for like two or three years. Uh, so I got to know Justin pretty well. My favorite, my favorite story of Justin's was going to the 70 to 21 beat down in Austin, uh, Austin and having Justin yell at Lorenzo Romar. This was more points than your basketball's <laughs> all year. And you were right. Yeah, yeah. You know, Lorenzo was a, a joke of a coach, and you guys held on to him for quite a while. <laughs> thank thank you for that. Uh, yeah. yeah, man. When I was in high school, I was went to a UW camp and he gave me a basketball. Little did he know. Now. I don't I don't know. I, I think it's in the mudroom at the farm. <laughs> that it's makes not sense. purple and gold anymore. It's no. like lavender and yellow. Yeah, we <laughs> used the heck out of that ball. That's when I still had aspirations of being a good basketball player. Yeah, we all had aspirations at one point. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, so, uh, Justin, you are an expert on all things University of Oregon. So uh, why don't you first just kind of give us a brief overview um, of where the program is at and where it's headed. Right now, the state of the program is probably the best it's been since 2014. That was the year Oregon lost to Ohio State and um, Ezekiel Elliott in the national title game. It's also the same year Marcus won the Heisman. Um, you know, since then, it kind of got – it went down for a couple of years. Uh, the following year, um, we got the transfer from uh, Eastern Washington who – Vernon Adams, who – if he doesn't get hurt, you know, there's a lot of what ifs about that season. Um, oh, but yeah, the following, the, yeah, you know, the following year was just a joke. Um, <laughs> the fact is, is, is Helfrich couldn't recruit. He, he, his old school tactics of trying to, of trying to recruit just weren't paying off and you had no quarterback. Now, um, I do have a question about that yeah. for you. I know that some of the, um, the sanctions, what uh, really hurt, Helfrich when it came to recruiting because really the big deal in Oregon from what I have understood is getting guys onto the campus and showing them the the community and the amenities and the culture around the school and just losing those campus visits on a on a really like thin level didn't mm -hmm. seem like that big of a deal but I think that really did hurt the program. Do you think that hurt, or was it still more Helfrich than than the sanctions? No, it, it definitely hurt. But when you're only allowed so many visitors and you're not a very good recruiter, like mm -hmm. those two are – that's not a good combination to have. And so, okay. you know, obviously Helfrich – I wanted Helfrich to work just because he's an Oregon guy. Um, he's kind of known as an offensive – not wizard, but like he just thought differently than everybody else. Um, but at the end of the and day, now he's the OC in Chicago. Yeah, uh, but he doesn't even call the plays in Chicago. So what does that? I mean, it's just even when he was the OC at Oregon, he never called the plays. Right. So my thing with Elfrich is like great guy, terrible recruiter. And in this day and age, you have to be active on all social media. You have to be pressing these guys. You have to be texting them all the time. And I just don't think he was doing that. It was just more of a laid back, like, we're just going to let the Oregon brand speak for itself. We've got coaches that have been here since the 1970s. We're going to let them do their thing. Well, these 18-year-olds can't relate to these guys that are, are pushing retirement. And, and I think that eventually caught up um, to Oregon. You know, And then you bring in a guy like Willie Taggart, who he's – he's not a football coach. He is a recruiter. Uh, you look at what he's doing at Florida state right now. Uh, he just simply 
his offense is, is it's too simple. And he, you know, he struggles with the creative side of, of play calling. Everything is so basic. I don't know how many times we, on third and long, we ran quarterback draws last year. It was frustrating. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he did, he did do some good things. He, he brought in a pretty good coaching staff from last from la- brought in a good coaching staff last year who we've been able to retain most of those guys. Which um, that was a but, shock to me. Yeah. I, I, as soon as he was gone, like I thought every coach is going to be gone. I really did. Especially Levitt. I thought he was going to follow, follow him back to Florida and, uh, and just kind of live out retirement and live out life there. Cause that's where his fa- That's where he's from. That's where his mom's at is in Florida. Probably doesn't have to buy a Pepsi anytime he goes back there, huh? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> hey, Justin. Yeah. So, Justin Herbert, phenomenal quarterback, mm-hmm. has done so many good things for you guys. Yeah. Where do you see your program after he leaves? Do you see a major drop-off when he's gone, or do you guys have the kids coming in to just keep it, you know, stay in stride? The question's going to be is, does he leave at the end of this year or does he wait to play with his brother for a year? The thing about Herbert is he, he started – his first game was that, that 70 to whatever blowout. That was the first game he ever played. And that was, he, he started since, but then he got hurt last year. So he has, his first two seasons, he just played half a year each. So yeah. this really will be his first year playing a full year as long as he stays healthy. So there's a lot of thought that that he might come back for his senior season. And if he does, then that gives Tyler Shuck an opportunity to, to learn the playbook more, to, to, to have a year of college under his belt. Then we got a, a, a recruit uh, from your guys' neck of the wood who's supposed to be pretty good as well. Kate so, Millen. Yeah, yeah. Kate Millen. So moving forward, like, for the first time, we're like, oh, we're, we've got more than one quarterback on the roster. Yeah, and that was really the big deal after uh, Mariota left. Is you guys, you guys went to the grad transfer well just too many times. Yeah, you know the first time it worked out great, but Dakota Prukop did not work out so well. No, but that kid from Eastern Washington, he doesn't hurt his thumb. You guys are looking at another playoff appearance. Oh yeah, if, yeah, exactly. Okay, um, so what are some of the offensive strengths and weaknesses you see on this year's Oregon squad? Well, I think the biggest strength is Herbert himself. Um, so far in the season, he's been 88 of 136 for 1,400 yards. Yeah, and, and the offensive line, we got three guys who started since their uh, their redshirt freshman year. They're only juniors this year. Um, and and Shane Lemieux has probably been our best lineman uh, this season. Uh, Dallas Warmack is a transfer from Alabama. He's been our right guard, big-bodied uh, lineman. Panay Sewell is a true freshman left tackle. He beat out a guy that, that was a two-year starter there. We've got some young bodies on the offensive line who are look like grown men. Uh, and, and that's what Oregon has really missed along the offensive line is just size. We've been kind of long and lanky and just quick. And, and Mario Cristobal, a former offensive lineman himself, is, is changing that. We're going to go beefy up front now. Mario Cristobal was on the um, the fake 1991 national championship team. No, he was on the winning side of the – so he was get, on the real no. side. Justin, get out. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to piss off a lot of people with that statement. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Actually, I was yeah, like, listening to the radio here when the, he first got hired on, and Steve Tannen, the local radio guy down here, which I don't really care for, asked him about that. So he had some he had some words to say. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Softy tried to get him to uh, admit that Washington was the real national champions, and he wouldn't. Yeah. I don't know what his problem was. Yeah. Softy's an idiot. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> He's our idiot. Yes, he is he. our idiot. And we love so we love our idiot. <laughs> That's true. That's pretty much fourth and inches of Husky podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Two idiots talking football. <laughs> That's right. All right. So what are the weaknesses of the offense? The receivers, uh, you know, Dylan Mitchell has, has had some big games and, you know, Jalen red and, and Brent schooler and Jonathan Johnson, they're all capable. They just, they're inconsistent. Um, that they, they drop a lot of balls. 
Tabari Hines is kind of a wild card. He, he was a grad transfer from Wake Forest. Sounds like he's been hurt. He's only playing one game. He only has like two receptions. But he's he was kind of the guy that all Oregon fans were looking at being like the savior of this receiving core, and he just hasn't been on the field. But Dylan Mitchell is a guy that, that as Oregon fans, as soon as he signed, where it's like, oh, he's, he's the next Darren Carrington without the off without the off-field issues. <laughs> but, you know, our, our running game, you know, even though I said that the one of the strengths is the offensive line, our running game at times has just been non-existent. And um, I, I think it was just more just to the vanilla play calling against some of the, the weaker teams who played. But the depth at quarterback as well, if something happens to Herbert, we're looking at a repeat from last year. Another Burmeister game. Uh, let's uh let's swap sides of the ball now let's talk defensive strengths and weaknesses um the front seven for oregon's defense is their strength troy die is the best player on defense he's one of the top linebackers in the pac-12 since he was um, a freshman since he was a freshman yeah and he, this is a guy who is kind of the the like, the defense is revolved around him. But Jordan Scott is our nose guard. He's a sophomore. Dude's probably 5'10", 350. And he's <laughs> just – and he's quick. If you just sit there and watch him, he's quick. He'll take on two guys. Um, he gave Stanford's offensive line fits all day. There was, there was a play late in the game where he literally just reached out and grabbed both guards and just trapped the center. And those three – were I mean, those three offensive linemen and Scott were just kind of at a dead st- – standstill and we were able to get a huge stop on fourth down um but you got guys like austin flua who's just a a motor he's all over the field sideline to sideline jalen jokes and justin hollins are the guys that are going to get the sacks uh but there's there there's so many players in that front seven and there's really only one in the secondary that's a strength and that's been ugo amadi uh he's been a playmaker he had two interceptions against cal um He's had two pick sixes this season, forced couple forced fumbles, and he's just been a steady playmaker in that that back end of the defense. Um, and another strength is actually a true freshman, Javon Holland. He's a guy that that's going to hit you hard, and uh, you can hear it on the field when he hits you. Awesome. Uh, what makes you nervous about this matchup with Washington on Saturday? Miles Gaskin. Nice. I uh, I. Truth be told, I love Miles Gaskin. My I, I think he, he, he reminds me so much of the way Michael James ran. He doesn't need a big gaping hole to go 70 yards. You just give him one little seam and he's gone. There's nothing you can do about it. He is such a great running back that I, I think if anybody says, oh, he's not very good, they're just saying that because they're idiots. Um, <laughs> I, I really like Gaskin. <laughs> Washington's defense, they're going to be stout. They can give the, the offensive struggles. Um, I'm actually worried about Jake Browning breaking out this year or out, out this game. You know, he's only got nine touchdowns and five interceptions on the season, been sacked 10 times. He made some godly, awful decisions against Utah that had Utah not been Utah, they should have won that game. But Thank you some, for saying that, by the way. But, I mean – how do you draw? How do you fumble a football when you've got nobody around you and you fumble it out of bounds? That is unbelievably Utah, uh, yeah, and I can I can say that because because Utah did that to Oregon a few years ago. Oh my gosh, I remember that. Cal yeah, Clay walked into the touchdown and he dropped it a, a dropped foot the ball. Short. Yeah. Hey, so You're, Justin. Yeah. So, so just tell me what kind of what kind of an idiot do you think would pick Utah as their Pac-12 South winner? I don't know. Like, why why does Utah always get this this run of of trying to be like the, a favorite in the Pac-12 uh, South? Like, have they yeah, ever Trevor. done anything, Trevor? Trevor, I hate you. Shut up. <laughs> hey, they, they just took down Stanford. Something Oregon could not do. I hey, I'm not. Hey, I, I know. Morgan had it there for the taking, and they fumbled it away twice. Uh, let's talk about Austin Stadium, man. Yeah, it's a. We bet me and Trevor have both gone to games there. Loved it. Fans have been great. 
there has been history between the two schools of bad blood between fans. Mm-hmm. Is it true that there was a newspaper article ran this week saying to Oregon football fans, let's not be unruly this week? I probably, I'm sure it happened. I don't get the, like, who gets the newspaper anymore? But I did get an email from Rob Mullins, <laughs> the athletic director, and I haven't read it, but I, I've kind of pieced it through Twitter. I kind of pieced it. That's kind of what it's about. And to be honest, I, I'm okay with that because if you look at the Stanford game, our fans were idiots. They're throwing things. You got some guy with, with no shirt on, like going after uh, the Stanford players. It's like, like I even called out, called this out in our, my, my podcast. And I was like, these people need to stay at home. Like they're not associated with the university of Oregon. They suck. And, and that, and I, I was very strong on that because it was embarrassing. Yeah. And you know, the thing about it though, Justin, is it's such a small, it's like a vocal minority. It um, is. But I've been those to, are the ones that get the publicity. It's true. And one thing that I really don't like that all fan bases do, but obviously as a Husky fan, I see it with Husky fans, is they just they they paint a, a, a fake picture of Oregon fans as these um crazy people who it's not it's not safe to go to games. They're idiots and they're gonna throw, you know. Uh, they're going to throw bottles at you. And, and frankly, that's not the case. I've been to three games in Autzen dating back to uh, the year that Keith Price came in as a freshman. Uh, and I watched Washington get beat down uh, a bunch of times. And I had nothing but good experiences. Um, I met up with you at one of them, mm-hmm. and I was fed, and I was given drink. Um, that happened when Jake and I went down. And then my wife and I went down for the game where Washington finally ended the streak. Uh, and With Oregon's I worst team stu- in 20 years. <laughs> yes, but at the same time, I was still treated well. I had some friendly banter with some guys. I had some guys talking a mess, but it wasn't out of line. It was all out of good fun. Um, I've mm-hmm. had nothing but great experiences down at Eugene. I was at Husky Stadium, and an old lady chewed me out because she said fans were – we're throwing like dried pieces of dog poop at her feet. And there was a group of Oregon fans, a big group that were like jumping up and down yelling. Oh, and in the middle of this were beer bottles being chucked from uh, Washington fans. And I'm like, lady, just turn around and look like just be- like it happens everywhere. Like there's a bad group of fans at every stadium in America. Well, yeah, I mean, right. we've come except across, for, except for Cal, like they don't even realize there's a game. Stanford, yeah, they don't, they don't know anything. Well, so they're they don't too smart to realize that they? <laughs> they're too smart to go to football games. Yeah, they're studying. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've me and Trevor have ran into bad UW fans at UW games where I yeah, have I've gotten yeah. in. I've gotten into it with UW people, you know, because yeah, I, they have I've, been crazy. We had a three pound guy call a uh, a pregnant woman a fat beezy. That was kind yeah, of funny. Nice. Yeah, it yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I mean it happens everywhere. And then the, the 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 bad thing is, like we've said, is those are the ones that stick out, and those are the ones that people remember. Right. Look, last word on that. I married into a family of duck fans, and uh, my smartest wife decision you've famous. ever made. <laughs> okay. Okay. She is pretty cute. Um, okay, Justin, uh, last thing before you go, prediction on the score of the game. Uh, this ain't going to be a shocker, but I'm going to go ahead and predict that Oregon wins 38-17. I just don't see Washington. Oh, I just my gosh. Or Washington's offense uh, stepping up to the plate. They only average 19.2 points a game. Uh, they, they've struggled this year offensively, which is kind of a, a shock to most people, I think. Um but I think Oregon holds them to 17. Wow. Bold state. Well, it was nice having guy. you on. Yeah, you were fantastic guest, but now you can get the H out of here. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll do We appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. Thank yes, thank you guys. And uh, I'll be texting you some, some good stuff from the stadium, Trevor. And uh, as always, go Ducks. All right, go Dogs. Get out of here. <laughs> Hey.
All right, let's get to the Pac-12 recap. First question for you, dude. Is my South team back? No. They dismantled Stanford. You got lucky. 40, 40 to 21 is not lucky. Stop it. Don't feel like you're, you're, you're back, man. You're not. Um, have you seen the helmets Utah's wearing this week? No. Ooh, you need to look them up. What do they look like? If you don't say American flags, then I don't want to hear it. It's it's very – there's a lot of triangles. It's really cool. They love triangles. I'm a triangle guy myself. Um, <laughs> uh, you know the crazy thing about Utah drubbing Stanford is Stanford should have been beat rather easily three games in a row. Yeah, they should have been. You're right. Yeah, because, I mean, Oregon was rolling in that game, and it wasn't for a couple of freak plays that allowed Stanford to get in and then um, ended up uh, winning a game they really shouldn't have. Um, Is Stanford not very good? It sure is kind of looking that way, doesn't it? And then what does that say about USC getting just manhandled by them? Yeah, man. It sure, it sure isn't looking good for Stanford right now. It's not. It's actually, if you look at it, it's not looking good for the state of California. Uh, no, especially with the way that Stanford's looking right now. Um, Stanford's Cal, not it, great. Cal's not, you know, Cal is what we thought they were. We but. thought they were going to finish third place but, uh, behind Stanford in front of Oregon. We're super wrong. Yeah. Um, do you think it's time to go to Ross Bowers, your guy? Yeah, man. I think that they never should have left Ross Bowers. Yeah, this McIlwain kid cannot throw at all. Oh, I don't understand why. I, I mean, obviously, Bowers proved that he was pretty successful in college football last year. So why would you just walk away from that? And you have a guy in there who just uh, i mean th- the reason they lost to cal is that guy threw two pick sixes yeah yeah how do you throw yeah. two of them i don't know i don't get it but then again i'm not a coach I wonder, yeah i wonder if there that change is coming because if not uh, you know cal goes from they might not make a bowl if they uh if they aren't careful they haven't really put away any teams i think it's bowers time yeah i i totally agree like I said, I mean, I, I thought that he should have started the season, the quarterback. But yep. you, have to, if, you have to make a change before it's too far gone. You know, if, if, and it's getting to that point. And Wilcox, if he wants to keep his job, he needs to make that change. Uh, he's got a couple more years to go. He took over a pretty terrible team from Sunny Dyke. Yeah, but it, doesn't look, it, but it doesn't look good when you make the wrong decision at quarterback and you don't make a bowl game because of that. Yeah, I mean, you want to, as a coach, your, your, your hope and your goal every year is to do better. And at this point, he's looking at kind of that five and seven again, yeah. where you really want to get to the six and six, seven and five. And I just don't see how they're going to get there because they're not, they're not beating Washington with the team they're putting on the field right now. Yeah. Um, my, I tell you what, if I say a team is my favorite in the South, they're going to lose. Um, I said ASU was going to be the Pac-12 South winner, and they go get beat down by Colorado. Jeff, you're so bad at this. I know, I know. Uh, this is Kill Harry knows what day it is yet. It's not. <laughs> did you this did is... you see the licking he took? Yeah, man. He, I don't even think he realizes what his name is yet. Dude, like that, I wouldn't that even was graduate. Such a weird play. It was such a weird play because the guy came from out of bounds because he had been pushed out of bounds so far that he had to come in. Some people think it was dirty. I don't think it was. No. Um, I think he was trying to find a line to get back onto the field, and Nikhil Harry happened to be right there when he got back. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he he literally – you couldn't have seen that guy coming. Yeah, it looked so painful. Yeah. I just think it's funny that every time you compliment anything, it takes a dump. You did it. Yeah. It, it was the QB pro, uh, regression podcast, and now it's just the Pac-12 regression podcast. <laughs> like, keep complimenting. 
just start complimenting Oregon and we'll be okay. We're going to be all right. I might do it right here. So the Cougs roll in Corvallis. Are they a threat in the North? No. You know who they have Oregon's number over the past few years. The only the only two teams that are threats in the Pac-12 North are playing each other this weekend, and the winner will decide the Pac-12 North champion. I tell you what, you're probably right, but don't be surprised if the Cougs go in uh, and beat Oregon again. I, I would love them. it. I would love it if they did. Yeah. But I don't see it. I, I mean, maybe, I mean, anything can happen, but I just don't see it happening. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think, I, think, I think Wazoo has a better chance of beating Stanford than they do beating Oregon. I think everybody – if Bryce Love isn't there, man. Everybody I has a chance if, of beating Stanford. Do you – I'm – and I probably am wrong because as this podcast has shown, I usually am. <laughs> but do you think that David Shaw leaves when Bryce Love graduates? No, I don't think so. Stanford's trending I'm, in the wrong direction. I mean, why? I mean, he's, he's always had – He's always been rumored for NFL jobs. And has he taken one? Not yet, but he's had – why would you leave college when you have Andrew Luck and then you roll to uh, the kid that plays for Carolina, uh, McCaffrey, and then you roll right to Bryce Love? Why would you leave? Even before that, it was, what's his name? The white guy, the white running back. Gearhart. And I think he was an assistant on those group in the, in that, on that team. But there's who, who are you going to put your hat on that Scarlet kid? KJ Costello. I mean, they always have somebody. I don't know. I think this is where Stanford takes a dip. Hopefully. I hope everybody but us takes a dip. It'd be great. I think in the next five years, the the North is going to be um, Oregon, Washington State, and Washington. No, but last year we talked about Oregon taking a dip, and they're right back to where they were. Yeah, I mean they're Taggart's not right back coach, to where they are were, but I mean they're getting there. If Taggart if Taggart stays there, I I, I don't think that you see this. Uh, more than that, if Helfrich is still there, you huh. don't see them making a bowl game this year. Yeah, I mean that's yeah that's that's true. All right, are you ready to melt that heart of stone, buddy? <laughs> I sure am. Jake's feelings. Oh. Ready to get feely? I, oh, man. Do I have to? How do you feel about Southern California in general? Uh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful place to visit. Um, but their football programs are in shambles. Uh, UCLA, <laughs> right? UCLA to me right now looks like a better team than USC. The way that UCLA played against us yes. versus, versus the way that USC has played against other teams, I think UCLA is actually not that far off. You know, UCLA, so we talked about how Colorado, until this week, Colorado's uh, opponents have won like one game. Yeah. Um, up, up until right now, of all the teams that UCLA has played, they have three combined losses. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, I don't think UCLA is that far off. They're actually a pretty I, – I think they're going to beat the heck out of USC. I think Dorian Thompson-Robinson would be, be fantastic. I think DTR is probably going to end up being better this year than the USC quarterback. Is DTR the, also the name of your racing team? down to race no no it is not <laughs> dang um, how do you feel about washington traveling to the state of california not worried about it I, you know i didn't i didn't like it it's not as bad as arizona i wish washington could stay out of arizona the state forever yeah 
it's that it's that uh, desert air. I the Arizona's just need to go into the Big Twelve. <laughs> okay. Like that that would be so much better for us. It would be nice. Um, yeah. What's the what's Washington's biggest area where they can still improve? Offensive line. Okay. Off well, yeah, offensive the whole entire offensive line, and the edge rushers on defensive line. Okay. Yeah, I would super duper agree with you on the pass rush. That's that's where I I don't want to send a lot of heat. Um, on Herbert because I think that he'll pick them apart if we leave gaps open. Yeah, I hear you. All right, you ready for the real feel? Yeah, I'd love to feel. Top three, bottom three, appetizers. Oh, man. So, okay, top three is going to be Mott Sticks. Love me some – Second has to be those, like, potato wedges with, like, bacon and cheese and sour cream. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You get them at, like, a TGI Fridays. Yeah, exactly. Uh And then then calamari, man. Oh! Love me some calamari. I forgot about calamari. Hey, you know what else is really good at, like, the keg is, like, bacon-wrapped scallops. That sounds expensive. So I would trade bacon wrapped scallops out for the potato wedges. Okay, I'll give you that. Anything wrapped in bacon? Bacon, pretty good. Bacon wrapped turd. Give me that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Ron Swanson, and he's like, bacon wrapped shrimp. It's my first favorite food wrapped around my third favorite food. (laughs) Yeah. Bottom three. Oh, man, I don't know. I don't hate a lot of food. That's why I am up to 260 pounds, clearly. This is, if this wasn't fourth and inches, it would be the dad bod pod. <laughs> yeah, like I don't the, – I there's not like – if you gave me like a platter of vegetables, I'm turning that stuff down every time. Get that <laughs> away from me. <laughs> Plate of vegetables. Uh, okay. I don't know what man. That's tough. That's tough. Come back to that one. What are your top right. three, bottom three? My top three mozzarella sticks every time is number one. Yeah, man. You always got to. Um, it's like the same thing as like breakfast foods with like uh, biscuits and gravy. You always got to go somewhere and try the mott sticks just to uh-huh. see if they're like. I went to Bob's Burgers and had their mott sticks. Horrible. Oh. I'll never do them again. Dude, Bob's Burgers is my favorite place. I don't, I don't know about their Mott Sticks because I save all my energy for the Cordon Bleu Burger. <laughs> Shout enough, out to Bob's man. Burger. <laughs> um, okay, so Mott Sticks. I also don't like sharing Mott Sticks, but my wife doesn't like cheese that much. So <laughs> You're such a bad person. You don't want to share your shareables? I well, I use way too much mozzarella. I, I use too much uh, marinara, so people get mad at me when I, when I eat it. I'm also a classic double dipper. Oh man, do you dip? So with your mozzarella sticks, do you dip one end, take a bite, and then turn it around and dip the other end, or are you just like a mouth yep. dipper? <laughs> like you like the bite dipper every time, like you're that guy. No, I go. So I'm worse. Check this out. I have a technique. <laughs> I do I do one side dunk eat, flip it around, do the other, and then I call it the cheese submarine and I just put the whole thing under it. You're the worst person ever. How do I not how do I not know this about you? Because uh I try to hide my mots uh my mots fetish from people for as I, long as I can. I because I definitely would have called you out on that way long ago. No, you're just jealous. You haven't tried. You're gonna try it next time. You well, go. yeah, because I don't care <laughs> if people hate me for double dipping. Yeah, like I'll li- right. I'll lick I'll lick the marinara sauce. I don't it's, care. It's so good once okay. it hits your lips. Go ahead, go on with number two. Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna steal yours and I'm gonna say calamari because calamari is amazing. Yes, it is. Um, and then uh, I, I'll, I'll get down on shareable nachos. See, I'm not a big loaded nachos guy with, like, the tomatoes, the green onion, the olives. 
it's just it's just more vegetable in the way of the goodness. Yeah, that's why you you ask for no tomatoes and green olives. Or yeah, green, green onions. Like I'll keep the olives on, but like you know, a big dollop of cream cheese. Oh yeah, and like the the steak and or the ch- chicken. Um, bottom three, absolute bottom of the pile would be a wedge salad. Oh god, is that an appetizer? Or is that just like food's food? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, uh, is that the food that they brought in for my food to eat prior to me eating it? Let's be honest. I've never and will never order a wedge salad, but I've seen that. <laughs> it's, I know just, what... it's, it's just a head of lettuce. I know what one looks like. <laughs> yeah, I've, seen, I've seen other people eat them, and I've judged them. Oh, my uh, gosh. The judgment runs strong in me when I see wedge salads. <laughs> oh, you're having a wedge salad? That's fun. <laughs> Um, I will also say I'm not a big fan of jalapeno poppers. No, me neither. Okay. Um, and my last one, um, uh, pretty much any salad. I mean, (laughs) I'm not a big, like an appetizer salad. I get like a house salads. Okay. If it comes free with the meal, but I'm never ordering one ever. But a, a salad bar, I'll get down on that. Week 7 in the Pac-12. We got a Friday game. 7 o'clock, Arizona at Utah. Battle of should be for first place, but super not. Arizona. Utah is favored by 14 points. Arizona. Jake is taking Arizona. And you're taking Utah. And I am taking Utah. Because... Can we call this game the game of the non-bottom dwellers? I mean, we're like getting the... close. I, this game might end up uh, determining who gets a jersey. I think it might be. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, yesterday, last week, we both picked with our hearts, and you ended up getting a, a win. Oh, I forgot to talk about that. You ended up getting a win on Arizona, and I ended up getting a win on Utah. So that worked out pretty well. Um, overall, through six weeks, um, Jake, you have a two-game lead on me at 28 and 20. I am 26 and 22. What did I go last week? You went three and two. I went two and three. Oh, okay. So my math was off before I I thought it out. was. Yep. So that's where we're at. You're up, on, you're up by two right now. Uh, so we're going to go from there. Um, Saturday, 4 p.m., UCLA at Cal. Cal is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Jake, what do you got? I'm going to go with UCLA. Okay, so am I. They made me a believer. They made me one as well. And until they put in Roth Bowers and do the right thing, I will not be um, picking Cal. Yeah, right. So this game is really, really intriguing, and I'm wondering how you're going to go about it. Um, it's 7.30, number 19, Colorado, travels to USC. SC is a seven-point favorite. This could end up um, determining the mediocre South. I'm going to take Colorado. Dang it, so am I. Perfect, keep going with me. Yeah, I got to start picking away from you. All right. Now, we're going to actually talk about this game a little bit because uh, we've heard from Justin. Justin all obviously thinks that uh, U of O is going to um, really take it to Washington. Uh, what do you think? I think he's tripping. Yeah. There's there's no way that they put up – what did he say, 38? Against seventeen, yeah, against our defense, not a chance. No, Herbert's good. He ain't that good. Get out of here with that. What's going to happen is it's going to be thirty-eight to seventeen. Woo-hoo! I like it. I'm also picking Washington. I think Washington overall is um, a more balanced team. I think they're a better team. I think Jake Browning. Um, has shown us in the last few weeks that um, that he's a really good quarterback. He's not – I mean, Justin Herbert's probably the best quarterback in the Pac-12, um, but his receivers uh, are not going to want to, to ball with 
uh, our defensive backs. I think that's going to be a big deal. Um, their, their run game is not very good. It's not the Oregon teams that we've come to know. Uh, they don't run the ball well. They're not fast-paced anymore. Um, they're not the same style of team. That being said, they're relying a lot on the quarterback, and we've seen teams that rely heavily on the quarterback, and we can take care of those teams. Um, Justin Herbert is is either the best or the second best quarterback we'll see. Jarrett Stidham was very good as well, and we were able to contain him and really should have won that game. So I think Washington rolls. Absolutely. I don't see Oregon putting up more than 21 points against us. Um, I think that's fair. And I think that Washington is going to start mm-hmm. fast and they're going to sit on Oregon. Very likely, uh, especially, especially the way that we've been running the ball and the amount that we've been running the ball. I, I don't see... I don't see Jake coming out and laying a dud of a game. I see Jake coming out being pumped up, knowing that this is his last chance to go into Oregon and beat up on them again. And he wants to be the reason that UW continues the winning pattern against them. Yeah, and he's really been good against them. You could argue you'll never know what's going to happen because he got beat up at the end of the Oregon game as freshman year, but they were poised to, to win that game. Uh, unfortunately, they just ran out of time. Yeah. So he could very well be – he had a chance to be 4-0 and against Oregon. I'm pretty sure he's looking to go out 3-1, and one, and he I think does, he's going to get there. He does not want to go out 2-2 two and two against Oregon. He, nope. want, he wants to go out. He wants to be the first quarterback to beat them in 13 years. And then he wants to go out and he wants to be three and one against them. And he wants to be hated by Oregon forever. And he is with the point he cemented himself. The Oregon fans around me, when he did that, I was right in that end zone. They lost their mind. That was the loudest thoughts in God all day. I love it. Um, Okay. Jake, who's your uh, offensive MVP? I'm going to say Aaron Fuller. I think Aaron Fuller is going to have a big day early. I think he's going to end up with two touchdowns. And I think that he's going to continue to shred the cornerbacks on every defensive team that he plays. I think Jake's I think Jake's going to be a big part of that. But I think Aaron Fuller is obviously his number one receiver. And I think that that trend is going to continue. And I don't think Oregon's going to be able to stop him. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good one. And maybe mine. Maybe mine is kind of a cheat, but I don't care. Uh, I'm going to go with the offensive line because I think the offense is going to come out and they're going to have a really, really good game. And I think it's going to be because Gaskin has holes and Jake has time. So that's just like. The offense is going to be the MVP. (laughs) That's exactly what you just did. Okay. uh, How about let's go Nick Harris. I can dig it. Cool. Um, your defensive MVP. I'm going to say Greg Gaines. My dude. No, I'm kidding, because I know that that's what you're going to pick. I'm not. No. You, yes, you are. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. Um, defensive MVP, I think, is probably – I got burned by Potawai before. He had a really good game last week. I'm going to go with Greg Gaines. I think he's going to – I think he's just going to clog up any inkling of a running game that they are going to try to show us, and he's going to get a couple tackles for loss, and I think that he's going to end up having probably the best game of his of his season. Do not I mean, go I, Greg Gaines. I hope you're right, um, and I think you're right because he's my favorite player. <laughs> Um, I am going to say, and my dad was giving me crap about this, that we don't talk about him enough, even though we have. So, uh, I'm going to say Ben Burkirvin has a huge game and he makes plays, big boy plays, not just wrap up and get dragged for three yards, but he's going to, he's going to be felt in coverage. He's probably going to drop back. He's going to spy Herbert. He's going to have a pick and he's going to have a sack. Your and dad he's gonna have three million tackles. Your dad seems like the type of guy that loves Ben Burkirvan. 
My dad's like, a pretty cool guy. Your dad's like a good old boy. I love I love Ben Burke Irvin because he does everything the right way. He's he's a hardworking so, man. So he basically, likes, kind of like basically, he just wishes that Ben Burke Irvin was his son, so he had a good son. Well, I mean, he could finally be proud of one of them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Maybe his grandson. Maybe he'll be proud of him. Well, I mean, your sister's married now, so he's got a son to be proud of. <laughs> yeah. Well, my one of my sons took over the farm. The other one's a crappy podcaster. <laughs> Love you, Dad. <laughs> Love you, Big Bear. <laughs> All right, Husky fans, that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks for listening. If you like it, please subscribe. Give us five stars. Tell us, uh, tell us that you're listening. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like on Facebook or Instagram. Go dogs. Go dogs.